0: Hello and welcome back to Black Girl Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for a new series on Netflix that has been sitting, chilling out in my queue for quite some time now. And it's finally, finally it's time to shine. We are talking about the Netflix series, Mindhunter. And because this is the first time we are going to be jumping into a new series, we will be taking a peek behind the curtain. I just want to ask peers, maybe grab a pencil and take some notes. I'm about to So Mindhunter is an American psychological crime thriller uh, created by Joe Penhall based on the 1995 true crime book mindhunter inside the fbi's elite serial crime unit written by john e douglas and mark olshaker the executive producers of the series include uh Charlie theron beth kono joe penhall cn Shaffin, joshua donan david fincher and courtney miles producers jim Davison, mark winemaker and liz Hanna. the uh starring cast is well we have a whole list of starring casts john groff as holden ford i don't think i've seen him in any, anything that i'm aware of uh let me see. <laughs> I'm looking through his filmography and I see nothing that I particularly, yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. Don't know that man. Apparently he voiced someone, Rick Sheridan in Invincible. Good to know. Holt Colony as Bill Tench. Anna Torv as Wendy Carr. Hannah Gross as Debbie Mitford, Cotter Smith as Robert Shepard, Stacey Roca as Nancy Tench, Joe Tuttle as Greg Smith, Michael Severis as Ted Gunn, Lauren Glazier, Glazier as Kay Mance, Albert Jones as Jim Barney, Sierra McLean as Tanya Clifton and June Carroll as Camille Bell. The first season consists of 10 episodes, while the second season consists of nine. The first season was released October 13th of 2017. And it looks like it's got pretty solid, critically acclaimed reviews. The second season was released in 2019. Uh, There is no indication of a third season coming anytime soon because it seems that David Fincher wanted to pursue other projects. uh, Saying that, you know, he may revisit the series in the future, but I think that he, uh, I mean, and I can understand that, right? Diving into these types of dark, psychological, <laughs> based on a lot of real life type of scenarios and situations can be exhausting. Um, So I, I totally get that, to be immersed in that particular world. Like, I need to go... <laughs> Do something else in my mind so that I'm not down this dark rabbit hole. So there is going to be 19 episodes. There is a list of recurring cast and guests, but I'm not gonna read that whole thing. And I think we've given all credit where credit needs to be due. So let's go ahead and jump into this episode. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment before we do do me a favor uh wherever you're listening to itunes pandora apple Podcasts, uh, go ahead and rate the podcast leave a review very much appreciate it my social medias will be below remember to like share and subscribe and here we go the first episode is entitled episode one because You know, (laughs) we're not gonna get too creative with it. Written by Joe Penhall and directed by David Fincher. I gave this one an 8.9 out of 10. I like the way in which we are immediately put into the politics of this world, um, where the world is America at this part, or at this time in history, 1977 is where. The, the season begins we go to Braddock Pennsylvania Special Agent Holden Ford gets to a hostage situation and is tasked with negotiating it was nice to see that local law enforcement wasn't pushing back on those trained in the profession that handles it's such situations you know we always see it in the movie don't you be stepping on my crime scene it's like come on this is a man without a criminal record the person that has robbed a a store and stolen a shotgun and is clearly having an episode the only thing that he has requested was his wife he has five hostages when she shows up he doesn't allow her to get out as she could agitate the situation I'm not sure if it was a good call or not, but she did give him an ultimatum regarding being hospitalized if he didn't get back on his medication. He likely stopped taking after talking to people who weren't there or because of talking to people who weren't there. How police officers today treat the mentally ill is something awful in this country. They do not see them any differently than criminals and don't understand that agitation is not the same as violence, and that maybe they're agitated because they're scared, because you're talking to them aggressively. He has someone contact the doctor, and you see it in this scene, in particular, right? He's like, we're losing patients. You know, you got all these people in this man's face. There's press there. Everyone's breathing down his neck, and he's like, look, I'm nervous, and. I'm FBI. Can you just back up a little bit? He then came out nude and asked if anyone saw him. They're like, Cody, we can see you. Prohrer tries to get through to him, offering to help, but he tells him he can't. Then blows his head off. Hey, bro. What? Oh, my God. That effect was very graphic. Very, very graphic. I watched it three times. Cause I was like, oh my God. When he gets back to his hotel room, he is unhappy with the outcome and is upset to see blood on his shirt cuff. Back at the FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia, his boss congratulates him on a job well done as this was the best outcome seeing as no hostages were harmed. Before it knows, the man was mentally ill and he did not have the right tools to get through to him. His boss knows the art of negotiation is a dying art which that's sad in itself because we should be negotiating more with criminals and there is a conversation that happens a little bit later on and I feel as if the easier route is we don't talk to them. Uh, However his classes are successful and success is measured by how many innocents aren't harmed and thus you now have the season experience to back up what you're teaching and he wants him to go back to teaching he's like i would rather not well this is awkward and you should definitely sleep on it till the weekend because you're going to start on monday hello darkness my old friend i've come to talk with you again because a vision softly creeping the son of sam has been caught we see that in bold letters on a magazine in his photo after finishing his clash which (laughs) sounds pretty basic and pc he overhears professor ratham's lecture regarding the son of sam killer who may have been mentally insane as his motive is his dog told him to do it or he could be faking it but the true new area of study is quote extreme violence between strangers where do we go when motive becomes elusive he meets with him in the parking lot uh and is definitely on the same wavelength that crime has changed and that what the fbi was meant to investigate at the time of its inception were bank robbers like john dillinger and bonnie and clyde <laughs> people who had clear motives which was greed and at this time in history everybody's like well you were just born bad <laughs> that's that's nothing to do with nature uh or nurturing it's just all nature and men have clear motivations But now there's this new breed of killer emerging. They go to get a drink. Hell, I wanted to get a drink to discuss the motivating factors in society that are breeding more traumatic events on young minds. And you have people from that post era (laughs) that also were going through a significant amount of traumatizing events that can alter the nature of your nurturing it can become generational how men never dealt with ptsd after all those damn wars and came home to their wives and kitties all fucked up with no medication and if they did get medication they were zombies and yeah it's a it's a whole fucked up history before the 80s i mean the 80s babies kind of got lucky i mean if we're being thoroughly honest (laughs) my generation of millennials is when they, we might have started giving some attention to the idea of mental stability so it is a still emerging very new emerging idea and when you really sit and think about it it totally makes sense in mankind which is around this time period we saw the titular character dealing with that like he doesn't know how to handle his emotions and it leads to you know a more emotional abuse on his son that he's not trying to do but it, he can't it, it's how they they tell people to deal with stuff back then just wasn't healthy not to mention all the drugs that they gave to americans during that very unpopular war that they also discuss and how you integrated them back into society after you know trying to make super soldiers of them all and always remind america time and time again that the national guard did kill four college children in kent state over protesting a very unpopular war stifling a generation who wanted change that ended with yes a lot of assassinations honestly the 60s was a huge clusterfuck of bad I've been saying it for years that the 2020s is that decade as we are watching a war now unfold before our very eyes it's like yeah (laughs) we have short-term memories but things continue to to be impactful per a generation per a decade in such generation he meets Debbie and the two flirt With him being instantly smitten with her teasing responses, he ends up spending her birthday listening to the band she likes, discussing being a sociology student before driving back to hers, drinking wine and smoking from a bong and he immediately choked on it. He needs some milk. At this point, she just kind of feels like an accessory to get to know sounds wrong but it it doesn't feel like she's her own character yet but for us to get to understand um holden and how he navigates interpersonal relationships he also hates running as much as i do you got to do that teaching and then i realized oh that makes sense if you can be called out to the field you need to stay fit he then goes out on a date to see a movie Before getting all sweaty and deep in Debbie's pussy. Though it sounded weirder when she said it during sex. (laughs) And I don't know about you. But that seemed like an excessive amount of sweat. I don't know why. (laughs) He then goes. I just wanted to be like is there no fan? You know you can't turn on an air conditioner. He then goes to his boss to ask to transfer or study some classes regarding psychology, which is frowned upon as those who live in their narrow world is what he calls it, are considered backroom boys. What did he say? He doesn't really explain what that means, only that it's frowned upon. Since recruitment is tape, has tapered off, even for accountants, he thinks that this is a good, opportunity for recruitment and since he's good at talking to people maybe that's what he can also do i think that he's just trying to make sure he stays busy with busy work while he romanticizes what should be done he's on the right track because he points out look hoover has been dead for five years and we're running the bureau in the exact same fashion as if we're going after the same types of criminals and we're not I kind of feel as if his boss is entertaining him for the most part. He goes to Charlottesville, Virginia to sit in on a lecture and we learn the five types of criminals. He was taking so many damn notes. He's like, this is all news to me. Why everyone else is like, yeah. So I've already familiarized myself with the concept of the five. Born insane, habitual criminal by passion and the occasional criminal those who become that way at Bellevue hospital the question arises are criminals born or are they formed he's like I gotta go talk to that guy then he finds him he's like can I sit well you're sitting his name is Buchanan Leo Buchanan he explains people believe all of their problems are based on a few bad apples Or a few bad Apple minorities or minorities in general trying to uphold this puritan idea of the nation. He's like, yeah, I totally agree on all of that. And now I want to recruit you. And Leo's like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. And I will say that, you know, Holden, you're very, you remind me of the other Holden. His name's James Holden. Very naive. (laughs) in the best of ways but also uh, so unaware so very unaware Uh, he he doesn't realize the full implications of the horrible relations between the fbi and the minorities he goes i don't i think they are are just you know what he said some blown up idea anyone be interested in tapping them i'm like but it's not a blown blown up idea that their communities are indeed being tapped <laughs> have been hoover tapped her body intervened in civil rights killed fred hamilton arrested people on trumped up charges of being a communist interfered in the gay and lesbian rights lbgtq all of them he was the fbi was terrible then anyone who was enlightened and particularly during the 60s the FBI was the, the bulldozer with the letters written boldly across it that if you're against the machine, we will run the fuck over you in any type of manner, most of it illegal. So it's not counterculture. It's not inflated senses of idealisms. He even made the junkie joke in the bar it's like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not here to spy on the Black Panthers. She's like, they're engineering students. Just cause they have Afros don't mean they're associated <laughs> with a group. Right, right. What Leo was trying to tell you and you didn't want to hear was that the greatest bully in the world and the government is lacking and now wants to recruit from those that they have oppressed. not only that they have all the power so they just want to (laughs) do what what uh a certain group of colonial americans have been doing for not americans just colonials in general right india comes up with all things like math and writing and shit and they're like yeah no we invited we invented all that no 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 you didn't Debbie points out he has similar mutual feelings of anger towards them as they have towards him. And it's really over the fact that she was just so handily dismissed. In class, he shows them the Al Pacino film and that the goal is to keep the perp calm and not to anger them. He then has them do a role playing game where it's clear reality for them isn't the same reality that Holden lives in if I'm reading that right, which I feel like I am because they would absolutely be cursing and screaming and throwing out racial slurs. It's not so predictable like they're just going to ask for some demands and then you just go back and forth. Yeah, that's the old world. Sure, the new world, they're calling people names. But I guess that's a change he isn't aware of. And they really imagine the bad guy being a Negro. Oh hell no! What's really interesting about the scene is the clear racism that unfolds so very quickly, even in the role playing. He's like, you cracker. And then he's like, you don't call me a cracker, you jive turkey. I was like, whoa. So it's a sign of even in fantasy the escalating anger in the youth towards the african-american community one recruit asks, what the point is of this exercise and to Holden's credit he is an inquisitive teacher and wants to understand even when his student rightfully points out if we aren't supposed to just shoot them why are we given so much training and weapons <laughs> when it is so much easier to shoot them and that's what I prefer to do instead of talking to them his boss is like I don't know about this but I'm going to keep supporting your ridiculous ideas by setting you up with someone from BSU to go over the psychology of the exercise Bill Tench from BSU approaches Holden in the country club where all the blue collars are he heard about his conversation with Rathman And he is impressed this 29 year old wants to go back to college and learn as most feel it undermines their authority. But he is a blue flame. (laughs) They're making a lot of backdoor ass jokes and I don't know why. Someone who wants to be so good so bad it blows flames out of their ass. It apparently also comes with a sideways career. So he offers him an opportunity to join him on a thing that he has done for the last three years or so, or a few years, where he goes to different cities, offering a mini course on what they know. They exchange ideas with local law enforcement. It's a learning exercise. Holden is like, oh, do you need some help with that? Ready and waiting. He then has sex with his girlfriend and admits he isn't fully in tune with reading women as well as he is suspects. And isn't super pleased that she's with him for being so vanilla. In Fairfield, Iowa, when they get into town, he tells them today is going to be a baptism of fire. And everyone is going to be on edge because they caught a big case. Okay, 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 okay way to slow roll me in there okay way to slow roll me in there it's like don't talk to reporters follow my lead and we don't announce ourselves as fbi those reporters like y'all from the fbi like fuck do we just look like we're from i mean y'all really do though bill ignores the reporter's inquiries he then presents his presentation when motive is elusive the method of what why and who What happened? Why did they? Well, why did it happen that way? Which should lead to who did it? The why is where psychology comes into play. Holden can't help but come off like a bureaucrat with naive idealism, and he talks in these soliloquies, like he's giving some speech in Parliament or something. Like, these are people who are used to dealing with hard crime. You know, they put in the time, they put in the work, more work time in the field than he has. He's never even worked a fucking homicide case. And so don't don't talk to me in a fashion as if you're in your Harvard or in the FBI Academy. Just dumb it down for me. And that's what the guy Frank Bergal was trying to get at. Like when they were talking afterwards, you know, if you ask me questions, yeah, I get it as they go back and forth, trying to get this idea of how could they not be born? Because you got to get people sold into the idea. Uh, And when he's trying to explain it, Frank tells him like, hey, if you had said it that way the first time, (laughs) then maybe it would have went better. Uh, He and Bill around the pool discuss his failed approach and they try to find common ground. So the next day, they go to Manson to go over his background, which it is worth noting, right? He was uh, beaten. He was sold. His mother was a prostitute. Um, He was sent to a facility for 12 years. And what they're trying to enforce is that this could have possibly created a vicious cycle of punishment for him because he's constantly being punished for the things done to him versus the things that he hath done uh, so the more you keep creating the cycle the you know it spirals to the point where you have this horrible murder scene you did have Holden being a little too empathetic with Manson pointing out that he didn't actually murder anyone. He did facilitate it and is an overall disturbed human being that has fully devolved into whatever uh, devil in his psyche that's pushing those buttons right now in his life. Frank McGraw had friends who worked the case and saw the body, so he does not take kindly to his wording at the bar bill tells him to know his crowd before doing sob stories when the man himself approaches bill tells him this happens a lot and to the man's credit he may not fully understand or even agree about what they are talking about but he does understand being out of his depth and i think that this teaching is a way to get the fbi bsu to start looking at these crimes and understanding the victimology so that they can catch who did it but it is a cycle uh as bill said we need time with this we're not just gonna have all the answers right now but when they end up going back to the office because he explains like this woman was kicked out by her family because she got pregnant but she pulled herself up she took care of herself was still a church going person raised her son Didn't deserve the fate that happened to her. And then when you get to the office, you learn that not only was she sodomized with a broomstick, but so was her son that was made to watch. Uh, The killer, by leaving no type of evidence, clearly cleaned up the crime scene, so it suggests premeditation. Uh, There's a few other thoughts for it has. Maybe it could be about the mother or it could be about the boy. We don't know um the broom could have had significance especially as you're telling me she used to sweep her steps every morning with it for church maybe it's someone that they know in the boarding house that they were staying at but he becomes overwhelmed because he can't say with any certainty and he doesn't want to take he's not ready to take that particular type of responsibility i believe and thus tells him we can't help you with this and ends up walking out even though uh, Bill grabs the photos. So I, I think they're still going to, to uh, mull on Ada and her son. In the car holding waits for Bill to implode about the fact that he needs to flip his shit and call his girlfriend instead of embarrassing them both. By playing inept because he needs to come off his high horse being a mixed bag and that's how we ended the episode (laughs) it was an unusual spot to leave an episode but i like the chemistry between the actors i think it's very strong i like the the lead character thus far holden ford he is naive but he he has good intentions he's inquisitive he's open-minded even in his ignorance and that is that's okay sometimes that's where we need to start we all start from somewhere so I'm curious to see uh, how this unfolds and uh, what case this is leading to because I'm not very familiar with this one. Uh, I do know a few because I listened to some criminal podcasts, but I, I don't know every serial killer in history. So if you want to send feedback on our next episode, blackercouch at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment below on this podcast. My social media will be there as well. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.